0: Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Monica T. from Florida, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. And today is Friday, the 14th day of October 2016. Somebody is unmuted. Please mute your lines. Today we are reading from the big book. We are in the chapter, A Vision for You. We are on page 156. We will be reading the first and second paragraph. And today's readers are the 12 Steps, Dana W., the 12 Traditions, Janice M. Our text readers will be Katie G., Carrie P., and Jane B. And our newcomer grader today is Nadia B., And the share ID for yesterday, Thursday, the 13th day of October, 2016, is 9169. 9169. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, People who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 Steps and 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Dana W. to read the 12 Steps for us, please.
1: Good morning. This is Dana W., Grateful Recovered Food Addict. 1. Eleven, sought through prayer meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to food addicts and to practice these principles in all our affairs.
0: Thank you, Dana W. I will now ask Janice M. To read the 12 traditions.
2: Well, good morning to you uh, and everyone. Um, This is Janice M. I am a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself. In our group conscience, our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, and OA group ought never to endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communications. 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before
0: personalities pass. Thank you, Janice M. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and the literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinent requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinent requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. When we are sharing, we are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. And once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 again to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. So today, we are resuming our study of the big book. We are in the chapter of Vision for You. We are on page 156, and our first reader will be reading the first two paragraphs on page 156. The first read paragraph is for context, and discussion or comments will be on the second paragraph. And Katie G., would you like to read for us, please?
3: I would, Miss Monica T. May I be heard? You may. Hey. You guys, Katie G, Recovered Compulsive reader, Anorexic and Bulimic from Boston. Sorry, I had to breathe. <clears throat> One morning, he took the bull by the horn and set out to tell those he feared what his troubles had been. He found himself surprisingly well-received and learned that many knew of his drinking. Stepping into his car, he made the rounds of people he had hurt. He trembled, as he went about or this might mean ruin particularly to a person in his line of business at midnight he came home exhausted but very happy he has not had a drink since and we shall see he now means a great deal to his community and the major liabilities of 30 years of hard drinking have been repaired in four kdg recovered compulsive reanorexic and bulimic setting my timer yeah, this is great. Um, I think what I you know, wanted to say today again is I'm doing these amends and, and continuing to clean up the past, right, because if I don't, if I continue to live a double life, if I continue to lie at work, if I have affairs, if I um, am dishonest with the government, even in a state of abstinence, guys, if you're just abstinent and you're doing these things, I promise you eating will be a step up from how you feel. That is what I'm doing. So I need to restore people's um, reality of who I have been in the community. Um, And I was kind of expanding on that in my mind this morning with God, thinking about, you know, um, do I mean a great deal to my community? I don't really know about that. But I know that people want me around. I know that um, before making amends, before having an entire psychic change, at work on a good day, I was a micromanager and I told the staff when to go to the bathroom, when to get up, when to do this, when to do that. Um, my colleagues, I threw them under the bus um, on a good day. Um, one of the women I made an amends to, she said, "Yeah, I know you work really hard and you, and you want to, you know, be promoted, but you have no people skills." and um, you know, with my family, they never knew who they were going to get. They never knew if they were going to get, if they didn't know if I was going to show up, if I was going to show up, was I going to be underweight? Was I going to be overweight? And then other roles in my community. Well, frankly, I know a lot of people have, you know, they've, they've changed the role in their family. Let me tell you, I didn't have a family. I had my immediate family, but nobody wanted to date me. Nobody wanted to date me when I was completely self-obsessed. And the kinds of men that I was dating, married man, come on, let's go, baby, because my sense of self was so wrong. My sense of, you know, it was, I had no self-esteem. You know, if you looked at me sideways and you were somebody that I was potentially interested in, then let's go. That was my, that was my, like, greatest idea for a good relationship. And today, you know, because I've been able to make amends for, um, you know, children of divorce who've been, who have suffered because of um, my actions, I'm actually in an intimate relationship now. We're, we're getting married. We're doing the deal. And I know I know how to be a member of a community. I know how to focus on how I can um, give to that community. Um, and you know, my parents, like I said, they they want me around because I've been able to look them in the eye and say, "Hey, you know what? It must have been really hard to be my parent. It must have been really scary. I imagine if I were you, I would I would have felt really scared and insecure. And I've been able to set right that wrong. And I continue to do that one day at a time by showing up, by having a job doing the right thing um, and it's a privilege and I will continue to do that one day at a time and with that I pass.
0: Thank you Katie G and we're gonna I'm gonna open it up here who would like to share on this second paragraph on page 156? Kim G. Larry. Kim? Larry? Anybody else? Okay we'll start with that. Kim G, you're up, and then it'll be Larry.
4: Wow. I
0: know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little
4: dumb, dumbstruck. Everyone's sleeping today. Good morning, everyone. My name is Kim G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, as we shall see, he now means a great deal to his community, and the major liabilities of 30 years have, of hard drinking have been repaired in four. I just want to talk about because my keen alcoholic mind will lock in on that four years and think, oh, okay, it took him four years to get through the steps. And that's not what this is saying at all. In, in fact, this he got sober in 1935, and this is 1939 that the book was printed. So they're talking about the fact since he's had a spiritual awakening, in these four years, he's been able to repair his life and, and means a great deal to his community. So I just wanted to look at that because I will use as an excuse to take that idea of an educational variety, spiritual experience, and think I have years, years to do the steps. So I just want to see what is the book telling me about the time frame to get through these steps. So Eddie, who comes to Bill, we learn about that in Bill's story, it says he's inexplicably different, and it's two months. You know, Bill checks himself in a town's hospital and does the steps in 10 days. You know, Bob meets bill and within 30 days he has this spiritual awakening and the spiritual experience in the back it says what often couldn't could be accomplished in a couple months couldn't have been accomplished with years of self-discipline so there's an urgency to get through these steps so we can have the spiritual awakening because we're holding our breath underwater. and i want to refer back to another sentence um I get somewhere in the 60s where it says when the spiritual malady is overcome We straighten out mentally and physically. And unfortunately, a lot of people um, and even groups that study the big books um, work that to say, well, look, I have the spiritual awakening and then I get abstinent. And that's not what that's saying at all, too. We get abstinent, we work through the step, we have a spiritual awakening, and then we straighten out mentally and physically means that, you know, if I get through those steps in two months and I have 100 pounds to lose, I'm not going to lose that weight in two months as I have a spiritual waking and the food is neutral, eventually I'm gonna lose that 100 pounds. I'm gonna straighten out mentally because as I practice 10 and 11, as I make the spiritual light my design for living, my relationships, my way of living, my mental state will straighten out just like it did for God in, the, in those four years. You know, that I can so relate to that because I've been, I've been recovered now for five and a half years. The relationships I had five and a half years ago are totally different. A lot of my circumstances haven't changed. I still have the same parents. I still have the same job. But because of this spiritual awakening and this design for living, those relationships have enriched. I have a much fuller life even though my life hasn't changed. And the last thing I just want to say, because I've heard it a couple of times this week, I just want to clarify, you know, Bob did say it took him two and a half years to get rid of his cravings. But that does not, I think, and this is my my opinion and what I've been taught, cravings in a doctor's opinion means the physical allergy. We cannot have a physical craving for the food unless we ingest the food. I think what Bob was saying is just a difference in terminology. It means that the mental obsession was lessened. It means it took him two and a half years to have no thoughts of alcohol. So after you have the spiritual awakening, is the mental twist becoming less frequent and less intense? Cravings only happen when we ingest the food, and it's important to know the difference between the two. And with that, I pass.
0: Thank you, Kim G. Larry K. It's your turn.
5: Hey, Monica. Thanks uh, for your service. Larry K. Recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. Um, I like what Kim had to say there. You know, it it it's kind of like um, Dr. Bob when he was going to the Oxford Group meetings. It was like he was coming to vision for you every day, but not taking action. <laughs> so he got nothing. He got nothing. He kept drinking. He had a belly full of alcohol, you know, but a head full of uh Oxford group meetings, kind of like you know we can come to vision for you every day and just not take action and we get nothing so what what's very clear to me in this paragraph is that Dr. Bob took definitive action to bring about this to bring the solution to light. Bill impressed upon him that lack of power was his dilemma, not alcohol, and Bill spoke to him about how he gained access to this power greater than himself, and then Here we see that Dr. Bob obviously made an affirmative declaration to turn his life over to the care of his creator. Um, And how do we know that? Well, because he's taking action that will result in a spiritual awakening. And the guy never drank again. This is a program of action, not feeling. You want to feel virtuous? You have to do virtuous things. You want to feel honest? you must do honest things you want to feel loving and tolerant you, you have to do loving and tolerant things those actions you want to feel spiritual you get the idea so so let me you know not deceive myself this program is one of action and frankly this life is characterized for me in the same way you know we start by putting the food down then we add a couple of keeping scoops of rigorous honesty and we embark on the steps that will result in a spiritual transformation this program, these steps are a journey of self-discovery. That's true for Dr. Bob. They culminate in a transition from a formerly self-centered consciousness to a God-centered consciousness. That's what seems to me, to that's what happened to him. That's what happened to me. I'm not the only one. There's a few others on the line. Many others, too, happened to them as well. With that, I'll pass. Thanks.
0: Thank you, Larry Kaye. And who else would like to share on this paragraph? Melissa C. Melissa?
6: Leah
0: S. Leah? Chrissy G. Chrissy G. Anybody else? All right, we'll go with that. Melissa, Leah, and Chrissy. Melissa C., you're up, and then it'll be Leah S.,
7: Hi, good morning. It's Melissa. She recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And um, you know, it just strikes me how what was once my greatest, you know, weakness, the thing that was my Achilles heel that I was embarrassed of and ashamed of that was like taking me down, has really become into my greatest asset. You know, it's the thing that's given me, um just a tremendous gift in my life. And and, you know, um, And and that's, to me, what's described here. You know, I was terrified to come in, you know, to OA, um, to really work a program of recovery. You know, it was easy to come in and get a diet, like that I wanted to do. But to really, you know, get something more than just food sober, you know, to do the stuff I didn't want to do, that was really difficult. And... You know, I had to be at a point where I had exhausted all my options, that my life was truly unmanageable, not just my weight was unmanageable. You know, and when you're at that point, um, you know, my back was against the wall. So I, I had to go out and, um, you know, there were two choices, die or get recovered. And, um, you know, and so by going out there and making things right, um the rest of my life has miraculously killed, like, fallen into place. And, you know, how do we become respectful? You know, how do we become respected? Because we live in a manner that's respectable. You know, it's not, I I would go out before and demand, you know, respect. Why aren't you listening to me? Why aren't you respecting me? Nobody respects me, but I have no self-respect, you know. And so what has grown me into a person that's, able to, you know, kind of get a response of respect from people, is that I live respectfully. And that includes, you know, self-respect, but also respecting other people. And, um, and I see it, you know, throughout my life. I see it in my workplace. It plays out. I see it in my family. Um, you know, and in this program of recovery, you know, that when I'm feeling un- unsteady and unstable, you um, You know, I reach out, and the more I reach out, um, the more I I just live in a more respectable manner, and, um, you know, it just permeates all areas. We come in, or I came in, just looking to get thin, just looking for some peace from the food, but um, truly, when there's no peace left in your life, um, you have no alternative to change, and um, thank you with that on Pat.
0: Thank you, Melissa C., Leah S., it's your turn, and then it'll be Chrissy G.
6: Thank you so much. Good morning, everyone. Um, this is Leah S., a recovered compulsive overeater from Brooklyn. Um, he now means a great deal to his community. The major liabilities of 30 years of hard drinking have been repaired in four. Um, things that I used to do before I came into program that were difficult or I just uh, skimmed them over or I just, uh, you know, said, oh, those people know how to do this and those people know how to. Things that that were difficult for me are so easy and so natural to me at this time. And I didn't bargain for this. I didn't really think that this is what I was going to get, but it happened. And the more I did, the more I wanted to do. And 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 there are so many changes that have happened. And 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 I guess people do notice because they do stop me. Hey, layer this. Say layer that. Whatever it is that I can contribute to the community or to the people and, 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 you know, just one thing at a time. It's not so overwhelming. It's just one one thing at a time and being honest and being honest with yourself, being honest with uh, the program and, 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 and just doing it. And then, wow, what big, what big opportunities do run and are open when once you just do it right and, uh, and, and trust the program, that it is going to help me.
0: And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah S. Chrissy G., your turn.
7: Hi, I'm Chrissy G., Recovery from New Jersey. I am so grateful to be able to share this morning. I, I feel a lot of movement and change in my life still today in doing doing the right thing. And I, I always love the saying that we we if we keep doing the same thing we'll we'll keep getting what we always got, something like that. And that's that's really the for me just a, a really quick way to kind of sum up the process here that the book is talking about it it's It's all about it's all about change, letting go of my old ideas and my old attitudes and like I had shared previously on another chapter this week it's it really for me is is about throwing away my old ideas and and really taking action and steps to do something different, so easy to say and so hard to do and i I spent so much time trying. To keep up my walls and my lies and, and just kind of make other people um, to blame so that I could feel sorry for myself, so I could eat. I mean, it was a whole cycle. So, how was I, I going to break through that? How was I going to let like, God break
2: through that,
7: forgive people, and start looking at my own behavior? How was that going to happen? Only by a miracle. And in the process of this program, for me, the way I see it is the process is a recipe for a miracle, and and that's what the spiritual awakening is. It's not anything that I could do on my own, but I definitely have to, you know, I, like with a recipe, I have to put everything in that belongs in it. it's You know, all the steps up until this step is is the, is necessary, and for me to keep maintaining and going on, it's just it's. It's a joy and and it's painful and it's real and it's not for, it's not for the, the, what do they say, the light of heart, weak of heart, frail of heart. It's for people who have the courage to do it. And the only reason I got the courage is from all of that pain that I had in the past. I'm more afraid of that than going forward. So I hope One day at a time, I always have that attitude, and
0: with that, I pass. Thank you, Chrissy G. And who else would like to share on this second paragraph on page
8: 156? Harlan G? Harlan. Okay. Anybody else? Okay. Go ahead, Harlan. Okay. We're looking at the life of Dr. Bob Smith. And when we look at the life of Dr. Bob Smith, we see a life of alcoholism. We see a life of pathetic, pitiful, and incomprehensible demoralization. When he tried to get his own way, when he tried to force his will into the life that he was leading, his life was a nightmare. He starts to do God's work. He takes the ninth step. He's taking the steps, and in the paragraph, we see happy, repaired, and important. Happy, repaired, and important. And when he started trying to do God's will, and he started He's, doing I'm sorry, the things, Harlan. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I hear somebody the, washing their dishes too.
0: Yeah. Please, whoever is unmuted, please, everyone, please mute your phone.
8: I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Harlan. It's okay. He works the steps, and what happens in his life is miraculous. He unleashes the power of the program, and his, he, he gets repaired in four years. Unbelievable. He starts working with other people and giving of himself, and what starts happening in his life He starts trading momentary pleasure, which liquor gave him. M&M's gave me momentary pleasure. Stealing gave me momentary pleasure. Eating and getting my way and manipulating people gave me momentary pleasure. But this program has given me the only happiness I have ever really known. And he starts working and working and working. And what happens? To the world, he was a person. But to the people that he saved from the pitiful and incomprehensible demoralization of alcoholism, he became the world. And he is immortal. He has stepped into immortality. And all of us today, all of us today can be founders. So that compulsive overeater that's coming in, suffering, suffering the degradation of this illness, we can light him up. We can give them hope, and to the world, we're a person, but to that person, we can be the world. We can give them of ourselves, and we will achieve that immortality. He will live forever, and so will the program if we continue to work it, and work it, and work it. With that, I'll pass, thanks.
0: Thank you, Harlan G., and we're gonna mute the line so we can have a quiet line. Okay, if anyone else would like to share on this paragraph before we move up, star one to unmute, please. Okay, we're going to move on to the next paragraph. And Carrie P., would you read for us, please? And there's still somebody not muted. We're hearing movement, please. Good morning, Monica. This is Carrie P. Can you hear me? I can.
9: But life was not easy for two friends. Plenty of difficulties presented themselves. Both saw that they must keep spiritually (laughs) active. One day they called up and heard the head nurse of a local hospital. They explained their need and inquired if she had a first class alcoholic prospect. So, good morning, everybody. This is Carrie P., a recovered Mm -hmm. compulsive overeater.
0: Okay, hang on a second, Carrie, please. Leah, can you mute the line for us? Carrie, you'll need to start once to come back. Good morning. Carrie P., Recovered Compulsive
9: Overeater. Can you hear me now? Yes. So, yeah, life is not easy, you know. But it is. You know, I remember talking to my sponsor at one point saying, why is this so easy? And she said, because you've done the work. Okay. And as I move on, you know, I'm not calling up hospitals or nurses. All we have to do is look around us and we can see who's suffering. And I don't go after people. I, I try and be the best walking example of this program that I can be. And I know that, for me, being on the phone, working with others, I dedicate a lot of time and, you know, quite a few days. I'm there, I reach out my hand, and I'm available. And that keeps me tethered to this program and keeps me working these steps every every night I'm on the phone. So, you know, plenty of difficulties. I've been going through my 16 year old is going to college and I ended up a raging lunatic over this and I had to work, you know, a fifth over this, a fourth and a fifth. And what was discovered is I am so uncomfortable with what she's doing. I wanted to just be in high school and be a normal kid. And it taxes everything about our family, driving, riding money, whatever. And I'm, yelling all the time and I had to just back off I'm uncomfortable but I'm so proud and I just I just I had to look at all that to knock it off because I sure didn't like what I was doing so with that I'm going to pass thank you
0: thank you Carrie P and who would like to again a gentle reminder there is still someone that is unmuted and we're hearing all kinds of background noises in a kitchen or something Please, everybody, please mute your phone. Star one. Okay.
10: Nessa. Are?
0: Nessa. Go ahead. This is we Bella. Are. Can I
10: share? Nessa. Bella. Then we Tina S. Leah Anna.
0: Leah.
5: I heard then someone.
0: Lynn. Lynn. You're the one I think I heard. Lynn S. Okay, then this is are. what I've got Nessie, Bella, Tina, Leah, Lynn. Is that everyone that I was hearing?
11: We are.
0: Say that again, please.
11: Julie R.
0: Oh, Julie R. Okay. My poor little ears. You guys got to be patient with me. (laughs) (laughs) All right. This is what I got. Nessa R., Bella G., Tina S., Leia M., Lynn S., and Julie R. Nessa, you're up, and then Bella.
12: Thank you. Good morning, Vision for You. This is Nessa R. recovered in Toronto, Canada. And I, too, want to comment on the word difficulties, because both Bill and Dr. Bob had very difficult lives. Um, Even after they got sober, uh, Dr. Bob almost lost his house. Bill actually lost his house and was homeless for, I think, a couple of years. And then when they finally managed to get a house, which was practically gifted to them, there was so much wrong with it. There was no heat. There was a leaky roof. You know, they, they really lived a life of privation, but they both stayed sober until the day they died. And what was the reason? And, I, you know, I, I'm reading a biography of, of uh, actually, of Bill Wilson. And, you know, he calls these years the best years of his life, even though, you know, his, his living standards were not what he had hoped for originally or what he was used to when he was working on um, on Wall Street. Um, but, so why why did they fly? Why were they recovered? Because they were giving of themselves. They were um, serving God and helping others, and that was the focus. And this is a paradox, you know. I many times I said, you know, if I had more money, then I'd be happy. If my husband did this, if my children didn't do that, if I was thin, I would be happy. If I could eat all the cheesecake that I want and not gain weight, I'd be happy. And, you know, the more I pursued my happiness and trampled over the happiness of others, um, the more elusive it became. And now that I'm not pursuing my happiness, now that I'm actually pursuing the happiness of others, you know, by, by being of service in the best way I can, you know, um, even when it's not convenient and even especially when it is very inconvenient, um, I, I am happy. Uh, I'm happy and I don't have an urge to eat. Like, I don't I don't even think about food. Food is a total non-issue. You know, I eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner because I need fuel um, to keep me going, you know, because I have a lot on the go, um, you know, helping my family, helping my fellows, um, et cetera. And I am more content than I have ever been in my life. And, you know, program is not – it doesn't echo. I think somebody must be unmuted. Um, um, and I, I love my train of thought, I'm sorry. So um, I guess I'm going to pass with that. Thanks.
0: Thank you, Nessa R. And again, please, everyone, if you're not the one to be speaking right now, please mute your phone. Okay. Bella G., it's your turn, and then it'll be Tina S.
13: Thank you. Good morning, everybody. My name is Bella G., and I am a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Monica, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. But life was not easy for the two friends. Yes, you know, I, you know, at at least I thought that by living in the program and living the 12 steps, my life will become perfect and, you know, and everything will be just fine. And it's not so because you know we are still human i am still human i am still not perfect i still don't know everything and yes sometimes it's hard just to live in in you know in the in the level of that i i am responsible only of myself and i don't and i i am not responsible of other people and right now i am struggling with huge, huge resentment, a painful resentment that you know I tried so many things, I tried to talk about this, and it just doesn't go and I just have to remember that I have to give it over to the hand of God and just to say that you know I really tried and I spoke with with my friends in the program and i and, uh, and uh, I, I tried so many and different things. And I just have to remember that by leaving the program, I am not making myself perfect, and I am not making other people not perfect and not higher power. I just have to give it over to the care of God and just to live in it and just to believe that life continues to be life, not perfect, and it's one day at a time, and sometimes it's one moment at a time. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Bella
0: G. Tina S., it's your turn, and then it'll be Leah M. Thanks,
14: Monica. Tina S., Compulsive Eater, Anorexic in Florida. But life was not easy. Both saw they must keep spiritually active. You know, uh, that is not something I came here for was to, to get spiritual or to be spiritual. And um, and through the process of the 12 steps and the spiritual awakening in step 12, you know, I had a rearrangement of ideas and behaviors and attitudes. And, and through that, you know, um, selflessness is something that I um, seek. You know to be of service to others and 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 certainly life was not easy that's why I participated in all the substances I have in my lifetime and today through the process of the 12 steps night and, and I keep saying that for me because if I don't keep doing the deal I will not keep getting the deal so through the process of the 12 steps I'm able to live life on life's terms today and to be a part of my life to uh, take care of whatever it is I need to take care of today and and through that you know I have to give myself to God you know, let God take care of my stuff and I can be of service to others in whatever manner that is. And I asked for that in the morning in my prayer meditation. You know, again, I ask God to keep me sober, abstinent and sane. And I asked what I could do today for the man who is still sick. You know, and, and, I, and, I, and I look around myself today to see if there's that opportunity. And uh, I love this paragraph because it says, you know, they must keep spiritually active. And so that's what I must do today, one day at a time. With that, I'll pass. Thanks.
0: Thank you, Tina S. Leah M. It's your turn, and then it'll be Lynn S.
10: Thank you very much. But life was not easy for the two friends. Plenty of difficulties presented themselves. And we see here that uh, Bill W., who is recovered, and Dr. Bob, who is recovered, now begin to uh, intensively work with others. Um, They saw that they must keep spiritually active, Of course, life was difficult. Uh, You know, there was a movement beginning, um, and that uh, brought some challenges, obviously. And, of course, it's true that just because we are recovered, we're still subject to and subject of life. And certainly that was true for Bill and Dr. Bob. Loved ones get sick, businesses fail, relationships end, people die. Um, However, In order to stabilize themselves, that's exactly what we do. It isn't a question of alcoholics uh, giving them anything. Their stability came out of trying to give, trying to carry the message, uh, not demanding that anything be received. So they worked intensively, and that's exactly what they do. It goes on to say they explain their need, their need, Uh, You know, for us, if we neglect those who are still sick, there is ongoing danger to our own lives and our own sanity. So under those compulsions of self-preservation and obligation and responsibility and duty and, yes, love, and, yes, it is a pleasure, it is a bright spot, But they concluded that it was imperative to carry the message, and that's exactly what they did, because the 12 steps began to be a design for living. And that's true for me today. They are designed for living that tell me how I should live, because if I can live by this narrow path, then I am peaceful and content, and I'm freed from the things that used to enslave me and make my life miserable. So I realize, just like Bill and Dr. Bob's experience teaches me, that the more I pay attention to my relationship with God uh, through the daily inventory process, removing the blocks that block me from access to his power, and step 11, which obviously involves prayer and meditation and the strengthening and development of that continuous relationship that I need in my life daily and my service to other people, the more my life flourishes in all areas. And yes, indeed, it's so clear. It's counterintuitive and it's counterinstinctual for people like us, and certainly it's countercultural. But this works. The spiritual axiom is true uh, that, you know, based on my personal experience, the more I give away, the more I have. The more love I give, the more love I feel. So for me, just wrapping up, both compulsive overeating and recovery have been progressive conditions. Compulsively overeating, just like alcoholism, led me to madness and mayhem. It was progressively downward. Recovery has been progressively upward. But freedom isn't free. The work continues, living and implementing 10, 11, and 12 each day. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you,
0: Leah M. Lynn S, you're up, and then it'll be Julie R. Good
15: morning. This is Lynn S, a recovering compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Um, it both saw that they must keep spiritually active. And I heard this on the line before, and it really struck me because I had what's the word, distracted, I guess, distracted myself for years reading this spiritual book or that spiritual book, and this is after I came into program and and uh, moving from, you know, one church to another and uh, g- just getting into maybe I'll study meditation or maybe I'll do this or that or the other thing because I want to be spiritually fit or spiritually active. And what I heard on these lines really struck me, and it comes from page 50 Bill's story. It says, for if an alcoholic failed to perfect and enlarge his spiritual life, how? Through work and self-sacrifice for others. I just, when I heard that, when somebody shared that, it's like the world stopped for me for a second. And I thought, oh, my God. Oh, my God. That's how we do it. That's how we do it. I don't have to read any any other books, and it's not... About a, a different church and stuff, and there's nothing wrong with all that stuff. Like, that was great, and I really did enjoy it. But that's not how I'm going to recover from the disease of compulsive overeating. That's not how I'm going to enlarge my spiritual life in this program to get the results that I want, or even more bluntly, and perhaps I'm mis- misunderstanding it, but that's not how, that's not what they're talking about when they're talking about being spiritually active here. They're talking about working the 12 steps, which allows us to connect to the power greater than ourselves, which will restore me to sanity. And doing these steps continually, doing the step 10, which incorporates for me all of the steps right up to 10, and then living in 10, 11, and 12 daily. It's just so amazing that that other line comes up to me, how blind I have been. It's right here in the book. We talk about it all the time. I hear it over and over again, and then one day, somebody comes on the line and shares something, and it's just like my world stops for a minute and I go, oh, I get it, I get it. I am so grateful for this meeting. I am so grateful for the people who work the program tirelessly and share so much of their time with me. I'm thinking of somebody right now who works and is a mother and helps other people, um, takes care of a little old lady who enjoys herself and, and loves her life and takes every single OA call that comes her way and always gets back to people and can always sponsor one more person. And I'm just thinking, my God, what an example of program in action. And no wonder she's spiritually fit. No wonder she's able to um, handle Time. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Linus. Julie R., it's your turn.
11: Hi, thank you. Julie R., Recovered Compulsive Overeater. First thing I want to talk about is the plenty of difficulties presented themselves You know, we all have things happen in life from, you know, very minor to, you know, huge. I mean, with my sister's illness, uh, my, my son's. Uh, my niece in jail, whatever that, that is. So how am I gonna deal with that? How am I gonna deal with my life difficulties? Well it talks about that I need to keep spiritually active. So what you know to me, what does that mean? It's kind of like the whole ball of wax. It's my disciplines, my spiritual um practices, it's spiritual exercises, right? So it's it keeps me on my path of of recovery, my path of the red road or whatever you want to call it. And once I'm there, it's like I have to be active. I can't be passive. And so, and I love that we have a whole chapter working with others to show us how we need to always be there for the still uh, yet suffering compulsive overeater. I cannot just be around all these people that are recovered. It's great. I need that for me when I do my 10 steps. But I need to go in the trenches because that's where I'm going to be again if I don't help another still suffering compulsive overeater. So it's for me it's like okay Julie what can I do today to help another person. And in doing so I'm helping myself, but it's about being active. And I love that because it's not it's not saying that you're just going to sit there and pray and meditate and wait for somebody to come knock on your door. I have to go looking for it. That's why I give my doctors my phone numbers and they give it to uh, morbidly obese patients who want to get the surgery. And I tell them about OA, you know, I mean, I've been doing this off and on for years and I think there's been two people that have started going to OA, but that's two less people getting the surgery. So how can I, Julie, help another person? And I, the day that I don't reach out to another is the day that I'm going to be thinking of Julie more, and then the next thing is that I will be either in some type of uh, inappropriate behavior, and then of course the food will come. And with that, I pass. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Julia. And we've got time for probably two quick shares. Who would like to share?
9: Janice?
2: Maureen.
0: Janice. Okay, Janice and Maureen. Go ahead, Janice.
2: Two minutes. Okay. Good morning. Thank you, Janice. I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. And I'm specifying the word and focusing on the word grateful. First of all, I was given this miraculous gift of recovery. Um, And that was the purpose um, of me, you know, being active and going through the steps, of course, putting the food down. And then I received the gift of recovery, the obsession was removed by a power greater than myself. Now, what I'm getting to is this, is that, okay, I got this gift, I received this gift, like Bob and Bill. Now what am I gonna do with it? Am I gonna just hoard it for myself and go my own way? Or am I gonna give it away? And by giving it away, for me, it shows how grateful I am. Grateful. And gratitude, to, for me, is, is action. I'm so grateful that for, this, uh, for this program. I'm so grateful for this group. That's why I try to do service as best I can. I'm so grateful that I have this gift, that I, I'm going to utilize this gift the way that my higher power gave it to me. And the way to do that. The purpose is to keep abstinent and recovered myself, but give it away. And that's like it says, the best thing that we can do to help another compulsive overeater to, a, to, to attain permanent recovery. Not permanent, I mean only one day, because I, I don't know about you, but when I was in disease, I was abstinent, I was off, I was on, I was off. See, this is permanent. The obsession will be removed, and I'm so grateful that I don't have that despair and that unhappiness. I was never happy, never. And I had everything that the world could give me, but I was never happy, like it's been said, as I am today, because I'm so grateful. So when I'm grateful, I'm going to say, here, here, higher power, this is for you to help his, his other children that have this compulsive illness. And there's nothing better than having him remove it, so I'm going to give it back to others. And with that, I pass. Thanks.
0: Thank you, Janice M. And Maureen, I didn't catch the initial of your last name. It's your turn. M. cousin Mary.
15: Uh, good morning. My name is Maureen, recovered compulsive eater in New York. And uh, it's all about action. Um and gratitude in action, I loved what I just heard. So there's a big ditto. Um, I know for me when I'm thinking about the program and talking about it too much, um, I'm not doing. i got to do. i got to take phone calls. i got to make phone calls. i got to work the steps. And that's what Dr. Bob did here. So it's really that simple. Gratitude is uh, action. And as long as I keep acting and doing and not reading and talking, I'm going to be good to go. I'm so grateful today, and thank you all for being here. I love you all. Have a great day.
0: Thank you, Maureen M., and thank you to everyone who has shared. Please join us for a second, unrecorded hour of study, immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the Big Book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. And Jane B., would you please read for us from A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only.
16: Thank you, Monica. This is Jane B., a grateful, recovered, compulsive overreader. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us.